Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freaking Pod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Miss these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians and more are waiting for you take a look at the new website and just a reminder adventure lives here every day we make deposits in the memory banks of our children charles r swindle i started gasping for air and i was at that elevation to where my body's not used to swimming at that. And I started to panic. And my, my life flashed before my eyes and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I, 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 I gotta keep going. And so I go to my back and I'm kind of like, you know, trying to swim different ways to, you know, go. And then meanwhile, I just feel like my chest is just compressing and compressing and I can't get air. And I start, I start, you know, I basically start crying as I'm swimming, and that may be worse. And uh, I, I hear people yelling, saying, you know, keep swimming, you're almost there. And I keep swimming, and I know the shore because we had gotten in before. The shore drops off, and it's really sandy. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere. 
and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And we are back for another episode of the John Freakin' Muir Pod. This week is going to be a family affair on the pod. We've talked about different sections on the pod. We've had fast packers share their adventures. And this week, we're going to hear from a family of five, the Reynolds family, about their experiences of through hiking the full John Muir Trail and racing the fires this year. And before I introduce them, though, I have some very exciting news for our listeners. Alabama. The long sought after state that has refused to listen to the pod, Alabama has joined the fold. Welcome to our listeners in Madison and Springfield, Alabama. And now we're just missing Maine and Wyoming. So we've got 48 states and the District of Columbia tuning into the pod. Also, we are now up to 37 countries. And I want to welcome our listeners in the Republic of Moldova and Puerto Rico. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so now let's hear from the Reynolds family. Welcome to the pod, guys. Hello, Hello. thank you. Hello, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's go through some introductions here. So we've got uh, Dad, who is Travis, right? Hello. Yes, Travis. Okay. We've got Mom, who is Adriana. Yes, that's correct. Okay, and then we've got three boys. We've got, is it Davin? Yes, that, that's me. Okay. David, who's 15. Torin is 12. Yep. And Dane, who is 10. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Welcome. Now, I want to give you guys a heads up about a regular feature we do on the podcast here. And it's a little segment called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. So when we get to the end of the podcast, end of the episode, I'm going to turn, turn, turn to you guys and say, okay, Reynolds family, what is your pro tip insight of the week? And this is just a, a, uh, an insight, uh, recommendation, a, uh, something you can share with our listeners to make their next backpacking experience, their next adventure even better. And it's something that you can't plan for. It's something that's just going to come out through our conversation uh, during the episode, but something, you know, a little tidbit that you can share to make their adventure a, a little bit better when they go out next time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So just keep your keep your mind open to that as we go through our episode today. You know, what what can I share as a pro tip? Davin. 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 Got it. Thank you, Davin. All right. So let's talk about uh, a little bit about your background, guys. So, um, you know, what what are your interests? What uh, what's it like raising three boys? Where do you guys live? Uh, Whatever you want to tell us about uh, about your family unit there. Well, I'll start. So we live on the central coast of California. And so we have a pretty fair weather. We're at sea level. And so, uh, you know, our, the kids, they like to do sports. Uh, dad 
mom, we like to be outdoors. We're kind of an outdoorsy family, but at the same time, we love to hang around and just watch a good movie on the weekends sometimes. So pretty well balanced, doing a little bit of both. Um, boys, why don't you tell them what you like to do? Uh, well, I like to participate in a lot of sports, just anything I can really sign up for and have time for, and play a lot of soccer and all sorts of other sports. Okay, and that was Tori. Uh, yeah, I, I, enjoy, um, I enjoy sometimes watching the, the television. I, I enjoy television shows. I also uh, I enjoy gaming. I have a PC in my room, and it's very nice. And he builds himself? Mm-hmm. Nice. A tech guy. And then I'm kind of with him. I like more uh, sports and stuff. Okay. Now, mom and dad, your, your outside interests, I mean, what, uh, what types of outdoor activities do you guys do? We like to just hang outside. We like to camp. We're really big campers. Uh, day hikers before this trip, we really just started getting into backpacking. Um, so that's been new to us, and we enjoy that. Um, besides that, I mean, we've talked about learning how to fish, but uh, we don't know how to do anything quite like that. What do you think we do outside, Dave? Uh, we ran a marathon at the beginning of the year in LA, and I like to fly and build FPV drones. Oh wow! Okay, nice. Now, mom and dad, what do you, what do you do that allows you to take? How many days did it take to do the John Muir Trail? It took us twenty-one days. Okay. And so we the longest time we've ever taken off from our work and school. You know, it took us three weeks. Um, and so, you know, thankfully at this point in our life, we both own our own business. So we were able to take that time off and have, uh, we hired people to come in and kind of take over while we were gone. We own a, a pest control business and I do uh, bookkeeping from home and the kids, we've always done like a hybrid school program. So three days at home and then two days they go to school. Um, but with COVID, everything's been distant learning. So it's all been at home. And we just planned ahead. We started school about a month before school actually started. So we could take the time off and not be behind. So they were ready to go. And as far as us just getting the help we needed, answering the phone while we work on. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's great. That's great. Having your own business uh, gives you that, that luxury to, uh, to plan for those 21 days and, and get it in. Fantastic. Now you said you guys did some camping uh, prior to this. Is that was it car camping or? Yes, we've been huge car camp fans for years. I mean, I just always grew up camping. Uh, the boys, we've taken them camping since they were little. So you know, car camping was more our style. So this really was a huge difference for us. Uh, the planning. I mean, we took nine months to plan just to get all the equipment we needed to see what worked for us and. Then we started to, you know, experience what it would be like by little shakedowns about a month before our actual JMT hike and realized how different it was and the different things we would need and what we were used to with car camping. Okay. And before we get to the, the shakedown and the, the prep and the gear and everything, what was the inspiration for the hike? What, what, what made you say, you know what, let's take 21 days and let's take all five of us and let's walk 211 miles and see how that goes. Well, one, it was a movie we saw. Mile, and, mile and a half. Yeah, and they did the John Muir Trail, and that was really, 
really cool to watch and all the views they were able to see and everything. And uh, also just all the other people we saw doing it on Facebook, it was really just very encouraging. And so we were, we, we thought, well, if they can do it, we saw kids younger than Dane doing it. And so that really made us want to do it and do it for sure. That's great. Yeah, Mile, Mile and a Half is a classic. It is kind of the quintessential JMT documentary. Um, we talked about it in one of our episodes, our Adventure Media episode. That was one of the ones that we featured. And I believe if, if you guys have listened to the podcast before, we have a regular uh, co-host named Chopper, who he, he's actually connected to the filmmakers somehow of uh, Mile, Mile and a Half and, and knew about this. And that was one of the things, one of the, one of the documentaries that we watched prior in when we were getting ready for our trip. So yeah, fantastic uh, documentary about the trail. That's great. All right. So let's talk about uh, your prep. You said you prepped a, a year in advance or nine months in advance? About nine months in advance. Okay. Right after we saw the show, we actually saw the show and, and it just really inspired us, you know, as we said. So I started looking into what what do you have to do to get one of these permits? And so uh, right away we decided we'd try two different avenues and we were gonna go um, you know, go through the JMT route and getting it out of Yosemite, but we were also looking to come out of um, out of this uh, I forget now where it was, a little west of the spot where we would have another twenty something miles and then hike up and and meet up with you, Yosemite. So we sent away for that permit in January and got it right away. And so that was uh, encouraging. We knew for sure we would be doing it. But even before that, you know, we had no backpacking gear. And for five people, it, it was quite an investment, but that's why we started so much ahead of time so we could just spend a little at a time. You know, Christmas was all about our backpacking adventure, we figured, well, if we didn't get a permit, we'd get one in one year, so let's start getting our stuff together. And so, yeah, it was just a lot of uh, learning about the, the JMT and what we would need and get everyone their stuff. It was a lot of prep. Now, I know, I know I get very excited when I have a Christmas that's filled with backpacking gear. How did, how did the boys feel about that? Well, it was different, for sure. <laughs> It was, it, was, it was pretty cool looking at all the stuff we got. Yeah. The backpack didn't come until about a month before our trip. So that, you know, that was a huge difference. We had these um, hand-me-down kind of old backpacks that we were practicing with and realized right away that to go 211 miles and then expect that from our, our boys, it just wasn't going to work. We needed to get proper backpacks actually <laughs> have a chance of making the trip. So, you know, that was that was probably the biggest game changer for them. Before that, it was a lot of dehydrated meals and, uh, uh, you know, just little random things, whistles that we needed to get and clothing and, you know, stuff like that. And it was a challenge with the boys because they're at this growing age, so couldn't get too much because I was afraid they'd outgrow it before the trip actually came around. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the clothing and stuff was last minute, but more of the um, sleeping bags and sleeping pads and tents and all of that came beforehand. So you, you got the you got the uh, the permit on your first attempt for the full trail. 
for from the Yosemite website, we didn't. We had about oh gosh, maybe a month of no's or okay. something like that. And then one day, you know, like as everyone said, you look at the computer and you kind of have to do a double take. You're like, wait, it's not saying you've been denied. And so it was, it was an exciting day. We could not believe that we were able to get a permit for five out of Yosemite. Yeah, that's like hitting the lottery. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it was very exciting. That's when it became very real that this is definitely happening. All right. Hey, let's talk about your gear a little bit. Um, let's go with uh, Davin. Davin, what, what kind of uh, gear was in your backpack and how much did your backpack weigh? I'm not sure about how much it weighed. Was it like 30, 30, 30, 35 pounds. Uh, it was a, it was very light, light green backpack filled with uh, basically your clothing, a sleeping bag, a mat, a pillow, and it also has some basic cup and then those sports, nice uh, light titanium sport. Everything we had was really light. And then the bear canister. And, and then the bear canister. Yeah, so did each of you have a bear canister? And carried... I'm the only one that did not have a bear canister. He carried the tent. Okay, so Dane, Dane did not have bear canister. The other four did. Well, that, that's convenient, Dane. You didn't have to carry that extra weight of uh, the food in the canister. That's nice. Yeah, it was heavy. All right, and what, what was your favorite food on the trail? What did you guys bring? Um, pad thai. We, we did like the pad thai. That was pretty good. Pad thai, that's pretty sophisticated. Nice. They definitely like the pad thai. That was the, out of all the freeze-dried meals, I mean, every meal you kind of were like, oh, I hope it's good. <laughs> and then anytime it was pad thai, that was the one of them that you did look forward to. Okay, and, and how did you guys organize your resupplies? Because I, I imagine you couldn't carry 21 days worth of food for five people. Uh, at, at one time. So how did the resupplies go? Uh, the resupplies we mailed out to the different spots and Adriana wanted uh, the boys and us to experience all the resupply areas. So we went to the Reds Meadow, we mailed out a bucket or two, um, and then um, we mailed out to BBR, um, couple buckets there and uh, then MTR mailed there and then our last one we were actually lucky enough to have a friend that is a hiker and he on his trip he had a trail angel and so he wanted to pay it forward and be a trail angel for us so we didn't have to like rush the last couple of days so he was going to hike up uh, to, uh, out of Onion Valley to Kearsarge Pass and he supplies there, which in the end we never got to meet up with them because of the fires and they closed it. So we, that was the last three days we had to ration out our food. Wow, that's, a, that's an added dimension to your adventure, having to uh, deal with that kind of situation with the fires going and everything else we'll talk about that in a little bit hey what uh you guys have trail names did you guys pick up trail names on this trip yes we did all right i can't wait to hear them all right oh, what was it? 
Mine was, okay, so when we were doing, the month before we left, we were all just going, we were going on these little backpacking trips for like a night and coming back just to practice for it. And well, I was, I got my trail name there and I, there was a little spot, like a watering hole almost that everybody stopped at onto the campsite or the, the backpacking site. And there was a bunch of little fish in there. And so I just kind of sat in there and they all came and just started nibbling on my skin. And so that's, I just, I'm called fish bait for that reason. Fish bait. That's a great one. And I chose the name happy feet because I, I, one, I was positive on, on the trips before we went on the JMT and I was always ahead of everybody. It was the fastest for sure, but we were all, it all kind of, we realized how hard it was and Davin was the only positive one. So that's why he got happy feet. Happy feet. And okay. I got my, I, I got my trail name from the same place Torn got is. Um, how did I get my he, name? Dane really enjoyed any water crossings or water areas. So we just called them cattail because it was a all right cat tail how about mom and dad so the boys were always in front of us on the jnt and you know usually it was mom and dad trailing behind so you know everyone says the boys how awesome i feel like more amazing that we actually made it because <laughs> they were our stars so when they would stop to kind of rest uh, whenever I would come up behind them, because then they realized, wow, mom's even caught up to us. They would be like, well, it's Mamasaur. So they just kept calling me Mamasaur on the trail. So that became my trail name. And uh, my trail name is, I guess, The Rock. Yeah. Um, just, I guess I'm in the back. And, <laughs> and uh, I guess I just kind of make sure everyone gets down the hill and kind of holds everybody together. It's not because of your resemblance to Dwayne Johnson? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, okay. The Rock. No, no muscles here. <laughs> Very good. So what's, uh, we heard from, we heard from, uh, let's see, we heard from Happy Feet about his, his pack and his gear. How about uh, fish bait and cattail? Well, yeah, we had about the same thing, but our backpacks were all different because they were all differently fit to our bodies and our different sizes. And But other than that, they all had somewhat of the same supplies. We'd throw in – we also had, like, just some little other things like the um, – like a bug net for mosquitoes or just some gloves or something like that and or like, a stack of cards – but they generally all the same thing. Okay, yeah, bug net, very important, uh, especially depending on the time of the year. The, the buds can be pretty pretty ferocious out there, so that's a, an important piece of gear to have. Now, did you guys all do tents, individual tents? Um, <laughs> Mom and Dad, they both had their own tent, and then no, they, they, shared, they shared their own yeah. tent, and then we shared a tent. So okay. Pretty cramped. <laughs> so it was, was it two, two person tents and one of the two person tents had three people crammed into it? It was two, three person tents. 
two, three person tents. Okay. And who had the, who had the uh, pleasure of carrying those? Dane. Dane had one and that had one. Oh, all right. So cat, a- cattail, you didn't have to carry a bear canister, but you had to carry a three person tent. Yeah. Nice. There's the trade off. Very good. So what kind of prep did you do leading up to the, to the big trip? How many, did you do some overnighters, test out the gear? Yeah, we would go out and hike in all sorts of places. We went and did uh, 10 miles in and 10 miles out. The practice was we were going to be doing about 10 miles a day on the John Muir Trail. This is about 211 miles. And uh, we would might maybe do like a day hike of six miles one day or something like that. But it was like every week or at least one night. So the 10 miler was our first trip out and it was in Ojai. And it was supposed to be 10 miles to the hot springs. And we found out it was actually 15 miles back and we just couldn't even make it. It was 90 degrees that day when we hiked and being our first time and we didn't have the right backpacks at that time. So it was quite a struggle. And that's when we, we realized, uh, okay, maybe we won't do 10 miles a day. We'll just have to build up to it and see what we're capable of. So, I mean, that, that really showed us, you know, what we needed. We started getting uh, skin protection for sun, made sure we all had sunblock on. It was, it was a good first hike to see what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah, kind of opened our eyes to what we were, was up ahead. Right, right. That's, that's good planning, good prep to, to kind of experience that and, and get a feel for what it's going to be like out there on a, on a long distance hike. Now, did you guys go with uh, boots or trail runners? What would you have on your feet? Uh, yeah, hiking boots. Yeah, everyone had something different. I had a pair of Tevas that worked for me. Dad has some Solomons. I forget what brand, actually, the boys had. But, you know, again, just like our backpacks, we went in and got individually fitted for what worked for each of us. Uh, backpacks and shoes, we figured were the biggest assets for us out there. We wanted to make sure we had good fitting and comfortable. So um, nobody had the real tall hiking boots. It was more like the low, the low hiking you know, shoes they have out there now. But they were all waterproof. Um, so that came in handy. We had some water crossings out there. How about hiking poles? Did you guys use hiking poles? Yes. yes. Those were life savers. Sure. Yeah, I know that first-time hikers, they, they are real reluctant to use hiking poles, thinking that they look, they look weird or they shouldn't be, you know, I don't know what their reluctance is, but uh, like you said, they are absolutely lifesavers, especially on, on a trail like the John Muir Trail with all that elevation. I mean, on the John Muir Trail, it doesn't really matter what you look like. You're smelling bad, yeah. your hair's a mess. Just might as well throw the poles in. Yeah. That's right. There's no shame. Just got to do what you got to do. All right. So on the, the hike itself, did you guys do a northbound trip or a southbound trip? You started in Yosemite, so a southbound trip. Yes, southbound. Okay. That's, that is, uh, I think, the, the more common uh, way of doing the trail, you kind of build up the elevation, kind of get acclimated that way. Uh, you start out at the lower elevation and 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 go up steadily. Um, 
how did you guys, what, what was the transportation arrangements that you made for a family of five? Uh, how'd you get up there? And then how'd you get back to your, your, your vehicle? Well, it, it was difficult. Uh, that was probably one of the more difficult planning because honestly, when we started the hike, we weren't sure we were going to finish the whole thing. In the end, we decided instead of pushing for miles and we've got to do it, we were just going to have fun. And so, you know, we were going to go at the pace that worked for the kids and for all of us. So to know where we were going to leave our car, you know, we weren't quite sure. But in the end, we decided, well, we're going to leave it at Mount Whitney. And if we need to, you know, get a taxi or an Uber or something to get back to it, then that's what we'll be. So we're just going to leave it there. So we left our car at Mount Whitney and we got a shuttle that took us back to the start, which was at Yosemite. And then at the end, these guys did it. So it was a good place to leave our car. Nice, nice. And what uh, what was the – so it was 21 days, and you said you averaged about 10 miles a day? Towards the end, yeah. In the beginning, you know, the very first day, I got to say, we had uh, got dropped off on our shuttle, and we had 0.2 miles to our backpackers campground. So for the first time, we really put on the weight of our backpacks, and – hiked up to the backpackers uh, sleeping grounds and it was 0.2 miles and we were exhausted. <laughs> and at that point I thought, Oh no, what have we done? But, um, you know, we just decided, well, we're, like I said, we're just going to make the best of it. So from that point we started the next day, I think we did seven miles and we kind of did eight miles. We kind of were averaging seven to eight, sometimes nine in the beginning. And then we, we pushed it up. Like, as they say, we got our trail leg. Um, we got comfortable with the elevation, carrying the backpacks. And it just became more natural. It was just, you know, you wake up in the morning and your job is to go hike. And so it just became a part of our, of, of, of our living. Whereas before, it was more of a, a detox into this world that we were getting into. So it became easier. and We started doing more miles. And so in the end, yeah, we averaged about 10. Well, in the last day, we did 14, all the way from Crabtree Meadows down to the portal, and we were booking down that mountain. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I know that, that feeling of the first day, and you're, you're uh, you know, like you, you were 0.2 miles. I, I think we were, uh, you know, a mile or two, and I'm thinking, what have I gotten myself into? This is, this is not, uh, this is not going to work, but you know, you hang in there and you, and you get it done. So that's, that's fantastic. Did you guys, in terms of your spacing, were you guys all clumped up together or how much distance was, was in between uh, each of you on, on an average basis? Well, Gavin really led us the whole way. And, um, you know, we were surprised by the strength and everything. This is my computer tech kid. And he just, he just was a strong little hiking monster out there. And so he was always in the front, followed by Torin, who, you know, they would just keep up with each other. But they were always having conversations. And so I think it just made it easy for them to go. And then Dane, Dad, and, and Mom were, were more towards the back. Dane would kind of float in between. Um, I don't know how, what the distance was. I mean, we were pretty spaced out. We couldn't see them at all times, but they knew that if they looked back and couldn't see mom and dad, they were, they had to stop until we came back into view. So we kind of had a system like that going, but they could go for a little while, especially if, if it was uphill and they had their momentum, you know, 
he said, you don't have to stop and wait for us, just wait for us at the top. So, you know, most passes, we finally get up there and they'd be sitting around, yes, mom and dad finally made it. <laughs> now, Happy Feet, with you leading the charge up there, uh, were you ever afraid that you were going to take a wrong turn or get lost? No, no. The, the trail was very maintained. It was, it was surprisingly more maintained than any other trail that I've been on. It was not hard to figure out, oh, I, like, it's not like you would be walking for, like, a mile off the trail and then realize. As soon as it actually, I realized I was off the trail, like, probably, like, by 10 feet off the trail, I would be like, wait, something isn't right. Yeah, a, the JMT is very well defined, very well maintained. Lots of lots of good signage out there. I never felt like I was I was lost at all. It was always very clear, you know, where you're supposed to go. So it was great in that respect. All right, hey, we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we're gonna get into uh, some of the challenges of hiking with a family and hear about that family dynamic. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Glenn Schweitzer, filmmaker for the film Trail Mix. You're listening to the John Frickin' Muir Pod. And welcome back. So, Mom and Dad, what was it like hiking with a family of five, three boys? What was the, uh, the, the dynamic like? What were the challenges of hiking with a family? I think... Uh... A challenge would be that you you're only as strong as the slowest hiker, and sometimes you get frustrated because the person in front of you is maybe going a little slow, and you are tired, and you know you're hungry or whatever, and you're trying to get your own pace. So, um, you know, just instead of getting angry and, and frustrated at the person in front of you, sometimes it's easier just to take a, a stop yourself and take a break and then let that person get up ahead just a little bit and continue on. So I think that's, that would be one. And then the other one, I think, um, is, again, um, kind of a team uh, thought is that if, if – you know, one person is hungry or um, there's not enough food, um, you're all hungry. And there's, so it, it, it's, it's more about, you know, the unit, moving the unit forward and not, um, not thinking for yourself as much. And then also, I guess, um, like we, 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 we use the word pole, pole over and over. And it means slowly, slowly in, um, on the Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. We have some uh, friends who hike. Yeah. When you go up Kilimanjaro, they, they tell you pole, pole. And in their language, it means slowly, slowly. And it, and it is just that. It's like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to rush. You have eight hours that you're going to do this day and you're not going to just rush the day. And, but you are going to make it slowly, slowly. Yeah. Incremental progress is, is the key there. I mean, 
the end of a day, turning around and looking back at uh, the ground that you've covered and where you started the day is just, uh, it's an incredible feeling, but it doesn't happen. Like you said, it doesn't happen immediately. You don't, it wasn't a sprint for sure. Pole, pole. I think that was a challenge in the beginning. You'd be like, we'd run into hikers who were northbound and we'd always ask people, you know, how, how long have you been on the trail? 16 days. You know, we're like, wow, we're on day two, day three. You know, it just almost seemed in the beginning like you're almost an impossible ending. Like, are we really going to make it that long? Um, so just a lot of mental challenge, I think, was one of our bigger challenges over physical because we know, again, physically, holy, holy, we can make it, we can do it. But mentally, just getting over that proved to be a challenge. I think our biggest challenge for the kids and for the adults. Yeah, as you, as you started the trail, you, you, I'm sure that each of you had an idea of, okay, this is what it's going to be like. But let's let's fast forward to, you know, 15 days in. How how was the actual experience different than what you expected? What did you what did you learn about the trail or yourselves? Day 15 actually was my hardest day. And um, that's the day I was just like basically just mentally giving up. I was so tired and just wanted to go home and that day was actually one of the days where we found out our trail angel couldn't come and he said he would take us out of Kursarge and bring us to our car. So I was there and we all took a vote and I was one of the ones who wanted to go home. And so it was just the craziest mental challenge, but I'm happy I didn't go home in the end. I'm happy I was able to finish and it was my hardest challenge for the entire trip. Nice. For sure. Anybody else? Yeah, the mental was a very big thing. Like, I would, I'd be in kind of near the back with mom and dad, and I would look up, and they'd be, like, 20 feet above me along one of the uh, passes and the switchbacks, and I'd just start breaking down, like, ugh. And you keep on going, and it Sometimes it just feels like you have it to move. The hardest challenge for me was I, I really enjoy the passes because it's you go up to the top and you can see everything. But I did not like after going over Forester Pass that night and that day it was it was turning into the fall and it was freezing cold that I my hand was so numb that I could barely write. Yeah, what was what were the dates of your hike? Twenty third through the September thirteenth. There you go. August twenty third through September thirteenth. Yeah. Okay, and what were what were the low temperatures during that hike? Well, we don't know what the temperature we was. We never monitored the temperature. <laughs> uh, I mean, we looked at oh. mileage and time and elevation and everything else, but we never we, we didn't have any we didn't have a ther- thermometer or anything. But one morning, we woke up and we opened up the tent and ice went everywhere. And then uh, another morning, uh, we were coming down that pass and we got into the rocks. And um, we found a spot, and the winds were so high and 
that, that it, it was just ripping our tents all night long. And so, of course, we didn't really sleep that well. But we were counting the minutes of when we were going to, when the light would be available to us and we were going to wake up, fold everything up. And we slept in full gear, ready to bounce. And then we just, it was, we got up and it was so cold that our hands were burning. And we just took off running down, like down the rest of the mountain until sun started hitting us. And then it was like, ah, oh, deep frost, deep frost. And, and then, you know, that was really better. Yeah, even though we didn't have a thermometer, we could just, you know, you could tell up there the seasons were changing. It was definitely becoming fall. Like the leaves were changing. I mean, living on the central coast at sea level, we don't have seasons, honestly. We, it's just pretty much one temperature all year round, some rain. And so up there, it's really obvious to us that things were changing, the, the environment was changing, the weather. And maybe we were also getting higher up in elevation as we were climbing southbound, so that also made it colder. Yeah, my son and I, who's, his, his, name, his trail name is Jukebox because he could sing any song, the complete lyrics on command. So uh, Jukebox and I, we did a, an overnighter at Thousand, Thousand Island Lake in late September last year. And I brought, I was doing a tarp. I did a tarp setup. So I had a tarp and I had a bivy and I had like six layers of clothes that I, that I brought. Uh, I had a quilt in there as well. But that night it, it got in, into the, I think probably mid twenties, maybe low twenties. And uh, I woke up at, at maybe three thirty, you know, shivering. And uh, I got up at four thirty and said, I, I can't do this anymore. I got, got my son up and said, let's start moving. I got, I've got to start moving or I'm going to, I'm going to freeze. So yeah, there was ice everywhere. Everything was frosted over. I think I was carrying an extra, maybe two or three pounds of, of ice and water in my pack after I rolled everything up. So it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk about um, some of your favorite spots on the trail. I want to hear from each of you what your favorite place on the John Muir trail was. Let's start with, let's start with the rock. What was your yeah. favorite? What was your favorite spot? Uh, I did enjoy Muir Pass because right before it, we woke up, this guy, Dane woke me up in the morning and he said, uh, dad, look the lake looks like it's liquid mercury and so of course i jumped out and looked and yeah just the lake was so still and it looked like liquid mercury like you play you know move it around and and, and it, you couldn't tell where the lake ended and the mountain started and then you know uh there was smoke and a little bit of smoke in the atmosphere so the, the sun that was coming up uh or was it the moon i think it was the moon actually that was still there it was like orange so it's just a beautiful um and then the the sun that was coming over mirror pass in the morning coming down we could see mirror pass and going up there so that was and then coyotes were running through the hills in the morning and we were watching them so it was just a that was my Wow, that sounds sounds like an epic moment. Was that Wanda Lake? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my one of my favorite spots is Wanda Lake. Just absolutely gorgeous up there. There's something about being above ten thousand feet and not having any trees and just kind of that that barren feeling with the with the the alpine lakes. It's just amazing. Yeah. Nice, nice choice. Nice choice, Mama Sore, What about you? 
I love the Evolution Valley. Uh, I have to say, when we started in Yosemite, it was gorgeous. And then when we left the Obergonzi Pass and the, just the change in scenery was rocky, just a little you know, different. And it wasn't again until Evolution Valley that I really fell in love with the scenery again. Just the meadows, the, the wide river running through, uh, it just was like everything I thought the mountains would be. It was the picturesque moment. And I did snap a photo of that that hangs on my computer now for me to look out at every day. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this picture, and our, our listeners can't see this, but you guys can. The picture behind me, that is, uh, that's between Wanda Lake and between Evolution Valley. This is actually Evolution Lake with Mount Darwin and Mount Mendel on the, uh, on the right side there. Yes, we know that lake. We had an incident there. Oh, okay. I can't wait to hear about that. Let's, let's go on through our, our last three favorite places, though. Uh, Happy Feet, what was your favorite place? Uh, Glen Pass was pretty hard, but I really enjoyed Glen Pass because it looked like, like a mountain. Like, if you look to your left, if you look to your right, it was just straight down, and then the view everywhere was um, – well, it wasn't straight though. It was more of a tent, uh, like angle, but it was. It was definitely was. If you fell, you'd be rolling down the mountain. But the view around around uh, that I saw from the distance, I could just see mountains, and then the mountains behind that, and then the mountains behind that. Yeah, that Glen Pass is is very cool. I think too, because you're at the top there, and you've got thirty or forty feet of trail with, like you said, a steep angle on either side of you. It feels like you're walking on a knife's edge uh, for that particular portion, and the views are amazing, especially looking back over Ray Lakes. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. Good choice, good choice. All right, fish bait, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Evolution. That was for sure a really beautiful one, and just gorgeous lakes and the mountains on the side of there was a mountain that was kind of behind the area that we were going this way and kind of right next to us. And it was just like a big old castle wall almost, just huge. And it was just made you think of how small you are. And the big, vast mountains is amazing. Yeah. When you say evolution, do you mean evolution valley or evolution lake? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yep. Very good. And Cattail, how about you? My favorite place would probably be uh, a Thousand Island Lake. Thousand Islands. Thousand Islands Lake. Because I liked all the just, it was a huge lake with a bunch of just islands in it. And it looked really cool. Yeah, and standing at the end of Thousand Island Lake and looking at Banner Peak in the background, that's, uh, that's quite a view. Nice choice. Nice choice. All right. How about uh, some challenging moments on the trail? Well, again, mine was that day 15 we had. Mm -hmm. Just the mental strength I had at the start of the trail was just completely gone. But I was luckily able to have my family there to come for me, and that helped me through it a lot. Yeah, would you say that the, the challenging moments were more mental challenges or physical challenges? Mental, for sure. Yeah. The physical was like, yeah, there was some time when your legs were burning and 
everything was aching and hurting. It kind of got used to it after all the days. And the mental challenge wasn't something that you just came across every day. And you could never really prepare for that. That just came and hit you. Yeah, mom and dad, you've, you've run a marathon, right? Yeah, I think I think it's common that, you know, any endurance activity, whether it's, you know, 211 miles in 21 days or 26.2 in a matter of hours, uh, the challenge really isn't the, the physical. It's the it's the mental. It's such a mental game to, to get through something like that. Absolutely. We always say that. Like it's it, if your mind plays tricks on you almost, you know, you, so you have to know when it's playing a trick and when to just get it out, you're like, I gotta stop listening to that. Start looking around, start putting positive thoughts in my mind. I yeah, think for I, all of us, it was that mental challenge. And I can, positive. Yeah, sorry. I can imagine that uh, having the idea of uh, leaving out of Kearsarge because of the fires and the smoke and everything, uh, and your mind kind of grapples with that and, and you say, okay, this is my exit. I don't have to go 211 miles now. I'm going to go to, to Kearsarge. And then having that pulled away from you, that is, that is such a uh, heartbreak, right? You, it's, it's a, you, you've expected one thing the whole way, and then you say, okay, well, now I'm going to end it sooner. And then that gets taken away. Your, your mind, it's all about expectation and what you, you expect your body to do. Uh, that is, that's, that's terrible. Now these guys were, go ahead. Uh, so one of the things that we um, had talked about before the trip was not uh, horse play. And we, because, you know, the boys and, and me, we like to run and jump on rocks maybe. Uh, and, but when you're out there and you're on this long hike for 21 days and you're out in the middle of nowhere, and if you twist your ankle, or you cut yourself, or sprain your something, um, it's gonna it's gonna affect the the trip uh, so much that we had a Garmin inReach, and if we needed to push that button, the SOS button, you know, it could be upwards of ten thousand dollars to have somebody come in and medevac you out, and that only one person is going to leave the rest of the four would stay and have to finish or figure that out. Right. So before we went on the trip, it's like, Hey, you can't run, you can't mess around. You can't play, you know, you can't do these things that you're going to get hurt. But of course we went on the trip and, um, Torin here, he wanted fish bait. He wanted to jump off some rocks into the water at some point. And I like to do that too. Um, so we had finally found the lake behind you. It was, it was awesome, and it had perfect rocks to jump off of. Uh, and we were eating lunch there. We decided to uh, fish bait, kind of shimmied around the rocks and got to a spot and said, hey, this is a great spot. I think it's deep enough. Um, you know, I can't, you know, I can see the bottom because it's clear. I can jump in. I, I said, Hey, that, that sounds good. I'm going to go join you. So we went over there and I looked and we took some little white rocks of granite and threw them down into the water and it hit the water and it would kind of float down and fish would come out and get the rocks thinking it's food or something. 
we could see it go all the way down. And I thought, that's a great spot. We could do this. So I decided to jump first. We jumped in, the water splashed down. And I don't know how high it was, not very high, but we splashed down in the water. It's pretty cold. Not very far. So we, it's very so cold. So say seven, seven or eight feet high? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't very high. So we jump into the water, splash down, and it's cold, you know, but we're just exhilarated, right? And then we uh, swim back to the rock and climb up. And he jumps, and uh, he climbs up, and I said, yeah, it's not bad at all. But across the lake, uh, Adriana, Momasaur, is uh, filming us with the camera. And I guess, I, I don't remember it, but she did say, uh, swim to me. And I told fish bait, I said, hey, I think I can do it. So I'm going to dive in. That was too far. I, I can, I know, I, you know, I was on the swim team kind of thing. I'm going to dive in and then I'm going to come up and I'm going to go into freestyle and swim across. And I just got to remember it. How far was that? It didn't look very far, but, but it was like, to him it felt like forever. Yeah, so halfway I started gasping for air and I was at that elevation to where my body is not used to swimming at that and I started to panic and my, my life flashed before my eyes and I'm thinking oh my gosh like I, 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 I gotta keep going and so I go to my back and I'm kind of like you know trying to swim different ways to you know go and I, meanwhile I just feel like the my chest is just compressing and compressing and I can't get air. And I start, I start, you know, I basically start crying as I'm swimming and that may be worse. And, uh, I, I hear people yelling, saying, you know, keep swimming. You're almost there. And I keep swimming. And I know the shore because we had gotten in before the shore drops off and it's really sandy. And I didn't want to get to the shore and try to put my feet down and then go down and, and suck water in. So I, I kept swimming until my hands like literally touched the shore. And then I crawled up and, and I was just thankful to be alive. And I was scared of water for a couple of days after that. <clears throat> so that was one incident. Wow. That, that, that was one incident. That, that was enough. That, uh, that is crazy scary uh that water was probably uh what 50 degrees less than 50 degrees very cool yeah yeah alpine alpine lake uh mm -hmm. in september that is that's nuts uh you're probably hypothermic and yeah uh exhausted from the you know like you said the elevation probably played a played a role in that and it was probably better that it was you and not oh, uh, oh and God. not fish bait that that try to do that swim oh because then i i don't know i, I don't I, I mean i wouldn't i don't know i will i don't know if i could have done it you know to save somebody's life you know and and she's on the shore and she started thinking like okay i'm gonna take off my pants i'm gonna make like a flotation device like should i stay here should i go what should i do and i mean it, it was it was a very scary time made it and then our last day we were hiking down and you know we, we started in the morning and we basically I don't know what we were thinking but we, we just we didn't we weren't gonna stop for lunch 
we thought we would make it, but we didn't. We started we started in the morning and we ended right at five. And we did 14 some miles. And we didn't take a lunch break or a break. We didn't even really take a break. And I don't know why we didn't do it, but we were just so excited, we're excited. to be done right. that we were over all over exerting ourselves. And we came around the corner because Adrienne and I are, you know, kind of in the back and, and, and they them two are out front and he kind of trails with them. And they were moving, we were moving down the hill. We had already made it over, you know, we had, you know, maybe five miles left and we were coming down uh, the mountain and I come around the corner and I see um, Davin, can't think of all the different names. I see Davin like shaking. He's laying down on the Dane. ground. Dane is laying down on the ground. And, and Davin's shaking him like violently. And I'm thinking, are they are they horse playing or are they are they wrestling? What are they doing? And I start initially getting mad at Dad. Like, Don't ever do this again. And he said, "Well, Dane passed out. He was he was laying down like snoring." And and that's I looked at Dane and as he came to, he started crying. His face face was all pale, and he had basically passed out just because of overexertion. So. We gave him, you know, cookies and, and uh, you know, uh, cheese, just different things like, you know, uh, electrolytes and Gatorade or whatever we had. I didn't have Gatorade, but lemonade. And uh, he came back too, but that was a scary time. You know, just you can overexert yourself and uh, get scared. That's why water is just so important. Yeah. You need to be constantly drinking your water. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, what I would do with those two scary moments that you just talked about, I would, I would uh, put a positive spin on them and come up with some great trail names based on those two incidents. Like uh, instead of cattail, I think I would call Dane, I'd give him the, the trail name of naps. He just decided, <laughs> he decided to take a nap there. He, he, you know, he had enough, taking a nap. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Very good. All right. So, what other stories? What are, any any positive, uh, non scary moments that you can you can talk about? Go ahead. Um, I remember we um, were hiking, but I do remember that we decided to stop and camp at a meadow, and that was gorgeous. Seeing tall grass, the deer like walking through the through the tall meadow, the river flowing in the through the meadow filled with a bunch of fish and then the mountains in the background watching it in the morning was like really really beautiful the sun the sunrise this was before the smoke but the sunrise was really very nice evolution valley yeah and then the kids took their uh bed air pads and floated them out there and just had a good time in the water with the air pads the fish were golden trout were literally swimming around our feet uh, it, was, it was quite a moment. It made, it made the trip all worth it just getting to that spot. Right. Now, you, you've talked about coyotes. You've talked about deer uh, and fish. Any bear sightings? No. no. Not we a single bucks. one. <laughs> no, I was happy. We saw, a bu- we saw a couple of bucks, which is pretty cool. We saw marmots. 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 And then, like, big old rattlesnake skin. It was like, you and no bears 
But there, okay. yeah, no bears and that rattlesnake thankfully wasn't there. <laughs> Just the skin. All right. Hey, let's talk about the, the fires. When did the fires and the smoke become an issue on on your trip? Labor Day weekend. Yeah. We were it was Labor Day weekend when we were in a Evolution Valley. We were coming up to that lake, you know, behind you, and we saw this beautiful cloud in the sky. And we all were looking at that. We realized quickly it was a plume of smoke that was happening from uh, the Shaker Lake fire. And so about that next day and the day after we started getting smoke, it would come in the afternoon and we'd wake up and there'd be ash all over our tent and our sleeping bag. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't too bad in the morning when we could hike, but about two o'clock, it'd really roll in. And so, you know, that last day, this, the fire and the smoke were there and it was getting depressing, you know, walking around with that smoke and everything was gone. And I started to wonder, what are we going to do? Are we going to stay? Are we going to be able to hike through this? And, you know, we, we had a spiritual moment, actually. We, we asked God to, to get rid of the fires. You know, we were all really praying for that as a family. And the next day, uh, we woke up and there was some smoke. But as we got up to go, we saw the winds. And we have photos of us watching the winds lift the smoke up and blow it out. So that was awesome. And from that day forward, the smoke always stayed a day in front of us. And we'd see that lifting of smoke and blowing away. And so that it made the trip, you know, again, more enjoyable. And we never had to worry about the fire or the smoke from that point on. And until we came the last two days, I don't know which fire it was, but we were coming towards Crabtree Meadow. And this was the first time we saw smoke and fire in front of us. So those fires were behind us, but blowing the smoke towards us. That fire was in front of us, and it felt like we were walking towards it. But then thankfully, you take that hard left to Crabtree Meadow and walk away from it. Um, but that it was, it was a bit scary to be walking towards a fire. But that fire is just, again, the smoke didn't come towards us. It didn't come our way, and the fire was not a danger. And then at that point, we were so close to being out of the tree line. We just felt like if there was any danger, we'd just go up into the, the mountain there and, and be completely out of the tree line. So thankfully, it didn't, it didn't affect our hike except for those two days of smoke. Uh, we know the northbound hikers had to leave the trail because they were walking into that fire, unfortunately. And we had a lot of our southbound hiker friends were told to leave. I think it was more of a not too strain any resources uh, of the fire department. And so they just were asking them to leave even though it was safe. So thankfully the rangers we came across, they didn't ask us to leave. You know, they just said everything good and we told them yes and, uh, and we kept going. The, I gotta say though, the fires and the smoke and everyone leaving, it really changed your trail hike. Like instead of seeing people, you really were alone out there in the middle of this huge, vast forest. And so it, it, was a, it was an odd feeling to like, to really realize how small you are in this vast forest. And one guy, we met one guy there towards the end and it was like a reunion, a family reunion. We had never met each other, but we were just so excited to see another hiker. And he came over and hung out for a while and gave the boys candy bars and, we still talk to him now on Facebook. It was just such a good, you know, feeling to meet somebody else. And we're like, oh, 
you're you're here. There's other people. <laughs> it's. I gotta say, my husband kept talking about how it's almost like an apocalypse out there, and you're running into random people now and then. But it was a good time. I I kind of enjoyed the the solitude. Yeah, that quite quite an experience. Uh, that that's fantastic. It is quite the feeling to uh, leave the car or leave the shuttle, right? And and realize that you have to walk 211 miles to get to your where your car is, and you're it's 211 miles in the middle of nowhere. There are, there are times where you you feel like you're the only person within 10 miles of, of anybody else, and you're you guys are on your own out there and being self sufficient. You know, what did what did you guys learn from the trip? What'd you learn about yourselves? I can do a lot. <laughs> we can do a lot. Mm-hmm. That was for sure. Um, because really, I think, I mean, I know the boys talked about it right after was, you know, you can do anything. That feeling of accomplishment and even that power over your mind where like he, Torin, uh, Fishbait was saying that he wanted to leave that was such a strong pull that he had that opportunity but you know he stayed on and it taught him that he can get through hard things and do anything and and dane you kept saying out there how you know you're 10 years old and you you did this hike and he liked the idea that you know a lot of people told him he probably wouldn't be able to make it and so you know in the end you know he made it and so it was i think for all of us it was just a good feeling that we could do it we proved to ourselves towards, you know, like they say, hike your own hike. We didn't care what anyone else thought about our hike. And we started out then just saying, well, if we make it, we make it. But the fact that we made it and we made it together as a family and we learned a lot about relying on each other and working together, it, it, it was priceless, priceless. We got so much more out of it than we ever thought we could. We also have a new respect for all mountains and foothills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nicely said. Nicely said. If you can do this, you can do just about anything. And, and having that uh, knowledge, that will carry you a long way. That's a, a great life skill. And realizing the mental aspect to, to everything. If you just stick with it, you know, make incremental progress, you can do, you can do just about anything. That's fantastic. Pole, pole. Mm-hmm. Pole, pole. Very good. Very good. So other than coming on to a podcast and talking about it, how do you commemorate this kind of family accomplishment? Uh, Mama Sora, you said you've got some pictures on your, on your, uh, your computer, but did you guys, did you guys do anything else? Did you get a uh, big print made for the house or? Uh... Well, um, so when we came, yeah, when we came back, we had over to our grandma's and she made a, big old like feast for us that was <laughs> amazing and we were like looking forward to that right after we went over like Glen, and like all we talk about is the tri-tip dinner and gravy awaiting us yeah that's a that's a common occurrence that's a common occurrence on the trail after 21 days of dehydrated food uh that that feast is that's very important but yeah through hikers they all they do is talk about food on the trail yeah. What they're what they're gonna eat when they get back? Yeah, I mean Dan and me, we have a notebook, about two pages of just us drawing three. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, getting uh, like a piece of art for the wall that we're gonna put in. So when you walk in, 
the kind of a piece of art. Of the JMT, the elevation of the mountain. So uh, we can remember, you know, whenever we see it. Nice. I don't think we can ever forget it, but I think it'll be nice to, you know, remind us when we are having hard days, looking at that will remind us that we were able to do the JMT and we can get through whatever we're going through. Yes, that's great. So when are you guys doing it again? <laughs> the boys say never. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a once in a lifetime thing. I mean, maybe just tiniest little chance I might bring my kids when I get older but other than that <laughs> the only hike I'll be doing is going up some stairs <laughs> you can't let all that expensive gear go to go to waste and just sit in a corner you gotta gotta use that stuff I'm sure we'll use it again but I did promise them no more this year <laughs> okay the next so, big thing on our event on our horizon uh for the boys' request is a, a pampered kind of a vacation where they can sit around and do nothing and have to go nowhere. So I promise them that would be the next one I plan. That sounds great. All right. Hey, guys, you know where we are right now? We're at that time of the episode where I ask you, what is your pro tip insight of the week? All, All right. right. Ready. Who wants to start? is it don't don't swim long distances in cold lakes is that one of them <laughs> for sure uh that and uh I, you know I, I think one thing that i heard when when i we were done and for a week some i got home and adriana said she was talking with the boys or somebody was talking with the boys and they said that one of the things that they remember is to put others before yourself. And so, you know, whether it be the food or on, on a hike, uh, but it's, you're only as strong as that, you know, that weakest person. And so to, to put others before yourself to make sure that uh, we can all finish together. I gotta say one thing I wish I planned for better was I didn't realize how much my nose would run during the hike. So uh, I would bring a soft microfiber towel or something to stick on my backpack because dabbing at my nose for 21 days with a little couple sores happen. <laughs> oh, another pro tip is drink a lot of water. Yeah, make that's, sure. That, that's right, Naps. Drink a lot of water. Uh, I would say next time you look at a mountain, a foothill, or even just a hill, don't think about how long it might take to drive up there. Think about how long it might take to walk. Walk up there. Put things in perspective, right? Yep. Other than that, food variety. We wish we uh, had more right. lunch variety. We really got sick of tuna. We still can't look at tuna packets or tortillas at this mm -hmm. point. So yeah. Nice. Those are both good. Those are both good food choices for for a hike, but not 21 days worth. Yeah. Oh. I know that on on our hike, I thought, you know what? I looked at the calorie count on a king size payday bar, and I thought, oh, this will do for lunch. I can just eat this while I'm walking. So every day, I had a, a king size payday. I have not had a payday bar uh, since. <laughs> I, I cannot think of those anymore. So, well, I those mean, are. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The tortillas like I, from the very start like 
they tasted like they like every now and then I might go into the kitchen and get one, and make it for lunch, and yeah, they were good at the start, but like near the end, they were tasting nasty. And when <laughs> we, I, we learned I, how to I, cook them, yeah, that we was... took our jet foil, took off like the top of it, kind right. of, and then just cooked the tortilla over it. It was like we figured out some some like crazy. We thing. rediscovered fire. Yeah, night and nuts. day on the table. Yeah. Nice. That's great. All right. So there you have it. That's it. Episode 38 is in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with the Reynolds family. I want to thank them for joining us this week. Guys, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your next adventures? <laughs> well, is it just, is it Facebook? Cause that's how I, that's how I ran into you guys as I saw your Facebook post. Yeah. Cause I did the Facebook JMT, I guess, you know, when a bug hits me for what we're going to do next, then we will put it out there. I think Zion might be in our future. So uh, take a look on Facebook and when we do it as a family, we'll make sure to post about it. Okay, great. And we need to get a lot of pictures from you. I need just, I need you to send me some pictures of your, your JMT trip so we can post that on social media. Oh, yeah, we have over 500. I'd be happy to do that. Nice, nice. All right. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmuir at gmail.com. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Right, guys? Yeah, so cool. Okay, that's a wrap from the John Freakamere studio. Any final thoughts? Let's get out there and enjoy, enjoy the outside. Test yourself. Uh, push yourself. You never know what you're going to learn about yourself. Enjoy each day. Well said. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.